0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.
1: We're glad you found us. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be
1: present. The Diane Ray Show.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show today. Thanks for tuning in as you're spinning through the jungles of time and space, as my friend Mike Dooley would say. <laughs> However you're listening to us today, I'm, I'm glad you're here. And if you happen to be listening live, we are live, and you feel like joining the conversation, uh, the number was announced just a second ago. It's 816-251-251. 3555 if you'd like to join me today because I love to hear from you I love to connect with people uh, I'm here in the uh, frozen tundra of southern california <laughs> for us it's frozen because we're just wimps it's probably uh 50s but we're getting rain here which is really good it's been so dry here we had those horrible fires earlier in the year. So I'm happy to see the rain. So I'm, I'm bundled up here on the radio with you and checking in with my guest today. So I'm really excited to get the conversation going. So. If you're like me, you probably have a lot of friends that identify as spiritual, not religious. You know, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. People like to make that distinction. Maybe you fall in that category. So I was doing a little research on this. Uh, There was a recent Pew study that shows a quarter of U.S. adults, about 27% consider themselves spiritual and not religious. They're in that category. And this is up about 8% over the past five years so this category is growing more people are becoming disillusioned or disenfranchised with whatever religious tradition that they were brought up with and and people are searching because i think the spiritual component of our our lives is very important and we we want that to be fed we all want that and this survey was pretty recent what i'm citing from it was conducted between april and june of 2017. now in another recent pew study on church attendance among people who regularly attend church, 2 in 3 go because of their kids. So they're not really into it, but they're they're going because they want their kids to go. Catholics are half as likely as Protestants to value sermons, and 1 in 5 don't usually feel God's presence. I think that's that's a lot. You know, 1 in 1 in 5 so they're just kind of sitting there for no reason, not feeling anything, not being spiritual, spiritually nourished or getting anything out of it. They're just kind of going out of habit. So is there a way to explore what spirituality has to offer without going to church? And I think there is. So my guest today is going to be talking about this, how we can all feel God's presence and we don't have to go to church to get it. My guest today is author Ben Jamison, and he's written a book called Church-Free Spirituality. And Ben holds a master's degree in spiritual psychology and is a licensed spiritual counselor, from or through the Centers for Spiritual Living. And he's really done a great job on this book. So Ben is joining me from the Tower. We're broadcasting from the Tower at Unity Village in Kansas City. So Ben is there in the frozen tundra of Kansas City. And thanks for joining me.
2: My pleasure. Thanks for having me on.
0: So how are things there? Is there snow today?
2: Uh, there is. We got uh, between anywhere between eight inches and a foot of snow a couple days ago, and uh, it's hasn't warmed up enough to melt yet, so we still have quite a bit of snow on the ground. It's quite beautiful, although gray and overcast, so we haven't really got the, the sparkle of the sun on the snow yet. But, um, but it is definitely a white winter wonderland here.
0: It is. It's beautiful. And if you're curious, I think you can go online at unity.org. And we have a live uh, Unity Village cam, so you can see. And people have been sharing some pictures of the beautiful snow and how gorgeous it is there at Unity Village. So check it out. It's it's really cool to see. So, Ben, I'm so glad that you're on the show here with us because I love this topic, church-free spirituality. And I I really meant when I said earlier that I think that people – are becoming disenfranchised with a lot of the traditions and things that they grew up with. But I think that the spiritual component of our lives is really very important. And I know with some friends of mine that have been brought up without any religious tradition at all, that after a while, they kind of feel lost. Like they're looking around, they don't really know where to go to feed that that part of their soul. Um, and then the other half of the people were brought up with some tradition that they're just have lost interest in and it's not really resonating with them today. So I think this topic is really relevant. You know, I think a lot of people are experiencing this right now. So I wanted you to tell us a little bit about your own personal spiritual journey, and maybe a little bit about what your upbringing was like.
2: Sure. So I was uh, I was raised in the unity philosophy, which is a, a new thought philosophy. It's more of a spiritual life philosophy rather than a religion. Uh, unity, for those of you who just know the radio and don't know about unity as an organization, they do operate like traditional churches having Sunday services, uh, but it is much more about how you personally and individually connect with whatever you call God for you, whether that's spirit, the universe, unconditional love, whatever that is. So I grew up in in this wonderful open affirming spiritual philosophy but unity is also headquartered in the midwest uh, which is surrounded by a lot of more fundamentalist christianity and so as a as a young boy of 8 i would go around and talk about the things that i was learning with people who had a very very different perspective on what religion was and uh, i was at the receiving end of a lot of the more negative aspects of fundamentalist christianity um you know being told how wrong i was how evil i was that i was going to be going to hell and all of these other uh, terrible things and at eight i didn't really know what to do with any of that so i just decided to get rid of all of it i threw out all of my spirituality altogether i wanted nothing to do with any of it ever again uh, you know <laughs>
0: that was it out out the window so that was
2: it at eight i was done um, and I was done for a very long time. Uh, however, as I got older and got out in the world and started doing my own life, um, you know, it, it kind of started going downhill. Um, and I got to the point where, uh, quote unquote, rock bottom for me um, was when I hoped that I would win the lottery not to be rich, but because I didn't feel that I was lovable. And I thought that if I had millions of dollars, maybe I could convince somebody to pretend to love me for my money. Um and uh, I knew I had to make a change because that's a pretty a pretty terrible way. But, to think That didn't about work, did it? Did not work. Um, <laughs> so out of desperation, I went back to my spirituality, and I stood in the darkest corner of the basement of a spiritual center that I went to just to check it out. Um, while they were having their community time, hoping that somebody would come and talk to me, but of course I was hiding really well. Um, and uh, I decided if nobody else talk, you know talked to me, I was done. I was not going to come back ever again. And there was one other person who started walking my direction, and I said, "That's it. If she doesn't say hi, I'm gone." And uh, she walked right past me, and about ten feet later, she stopped and paused for about two seconds and then turned around and looked at me and came back and said hello. So I was able to go back one more time and then one more time. And then the next Sunday, the the minister talked about, if you really want your life to change, you jump into a class. And so I took a two-day class. It was two Wednesdays. And uh, my life changed. It got better because I was re-engaging in my spiritual practice. And so I started taking whatever was there for me to take, not because I was trying to get a practitioner's license through Centers for Spiritual Living or trying to get a master's degree, just because I was wanting to learn and re-engage because I was finding my life was improving so much. When I, when I changed the way I thought about things, when I reestablished my connection to a spirit that I understood, one that worked for me. Um, and and as I grew, life got better. And the next thing I knew, there I was with that practitioner's license or sort of a spiritual counselor, as was mentioned earlier, and uh, getting a master's degree in spiritual psychology and writing a book about how to craft a spiritual practice beyond the bounds of religion and now getting to talk to the famous Diane Ray. So. <laughs>
0: Isn't it crazy how things work out? I love to hear your story because I think it's so interesting what we remember when we're kids or what we're taught about spirituality or religion, if if we are taught anything at all. Like I mentioned, some people just have, have nothing or really no foundation mm-hmm. to draw from. And I remember my background was brought up in a, a Catholic tradition, and I had all of the Catholic rituals, and I was communionized and confirmed and, and all of that stuff. And I never really had a horrible experience or relationship with Catholicism. Like, I loved the nuns. I thought they were great. And they had magical powers and all those kinds of things. But I remember one summer, one of our neighbors, and I was probably about the age you had said, like eight, between eight and 10, eight, nine. And I went to one of those fundamentalist church camps. I think it was just my mother's way of like getting the kids out of the house. Mm-hmm. And the neighbor had said, okay, let's go and bring the kids to this, we'll check it out. And they gave you cookies, you know, there there was incentive to get you there. And I'll never forget being in a big auditorium with a bunch of kids all my age and the minister saying, what would happen if God came down right now and you were left behind? And like the looks on all of our faces, we were terrified, (laughs) like, well, what's gonna happen? You know. And I remember having a series of nightmares after that. And I begged my mother, don't ever make me go back there again because I was just so horrified of that idea. I mean, they're, you know, telling eight and nine year old kids about the rapture, and you're not really going to understand what, what that is. But I was, I was so terrified for a long time after that. And then you kind of go through your own journey of where I don't want to go to church, it's just a hassle and, and this other and then you start peeling back layers of of beliefs you know like what they're telling you oh well are my gay friends really wrong and mm-hmm. are they going to hell and and what is that and you start asking questions and then i was kind of like you and just threw it out you know and said well i have kind of a foundation i think there is a spiritual being but i didn't really want to take it any further and then just started reading on my own and exploring and learning from people and and going on that journey and like how you describe in the book it It's so interesting, but I I really do believe that we need that kind of support in our lives. We need to know that we're not alone in Mm -hmm. this great big universe, you know. So I was interested to hear your story. And the center that you went into was what was once called religious science, but is now called Centers for Spiritual Living. Correct. Is that right?
2: Yes, which is very, very similar to unity.
0: Right. And so what would you say the big – the difference in – the unity philosophy, um, or would you agree with this, where in some other traditions, you're turning over your power to something else because you're a horrible sinner and you need something to save you and forgive you, where in unity, we're really a piece of God, we're created in God's image, we, we are divine, so we're not at our essence horrible sinners,
2: Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I like to say, it's to borrow an Einstein quote that I'm probably going to butcher a little bit here, um, is the most important decision you can ever make is whether or not we live in a friendly universe. Reason being, everything else comes from that decision. So when we talk about spirituality, the most important decision that we can make is whether or not. We believe in a friendly God, a loving God, a kind and caring God, or not. And we can see when we look at those two uh, those two ideas, the idea of of a God who is judgmental and who would send somebody to eternal punishment, that does not necessarily align with the ideas of a God that is loving and accepting and kind and caring. Um, whereas if you if you look at yourself as a part of that God, as one with this infinite friendly universe universe, Then how you relate to your spirituality shifts. Now, one of the things that I want to be really clear about, because it's so easy to get into languaging that that can seem combative, uh, there's a whole lot of spirituality versus religion out of there. One is right, one is wrong, one is good, one is bad. The truth is that religion has its great points and it has its terrible points. And spirituality is the same way. It has things that are great and things that are really not great. And so I don't want to get into this uh, church is bad. I just want to get into more putting the power back where it belongs, which is with the individual. Because if we just take uh, what is taught to us without actually exploring it, without actually looking and saying, now, is is this really right for me? Then we end up in that position of of having a very negative, hurtful experience. Whereas, um, you know, one of the things I love about New Thought is that uh, demonstration is the ultimate authority. is is a, a phrase in New Thought, meaning nobody can tell you that something works without you actually trying it on and seeing if it works and if a if hundred different people say this particular meditation technique is the way to go and it's the best one and it will absolutely work and you try it out and it doesn't work then it doesn't matter that a hundred people told you it works because for you it didn't demonstrate so find what works for you it's this it's this ability to really engage with our spirituality to practice it it puts the the responsibility back on us to, to actually try out the things that we're hearing to actually go research and look educate ourselves to find new practices. And so that's one of the things that I really intended to do with this book was to uh, have a way that we can begin to dig into some of these spiritual practices, which many people are aware of and some which people wouldn't really consider a spiritual practice without digging into it. So that we've got this opportunity to have a rubber meets the road experience and really get to, to understanding what what our own unique spiritual path is um, and and get to walk in it.
0: And there's so many to choose from, right? I mean, both of us had the privilege of attending the Parliament of World Religions mm. recently yes. um, in Toronto. And what an amazing experience, right? I mean, you could try on a million different ideas, you know, or talk to people and find out what their experience was. And I had such a great time doing that at that event and finding out what was working for other people and what their different traditions were. And everybody was just so great and loving and amazing. Nobody tried to convert me or proselytize to me or anything like that. And I really could see the thread that was connecting all of those traditions, you know, really like at the core, I think the golden rule pretty much applies everywhere, you know, be kind, be loving to others as you would to yourself. You know, but it was just so interesting to be able to experience and learn from all of those different people and all those different traditions. And I and I think it's okay for people to do that, don't you? Just to to learn and explore and find out what other people are doing.
2: And not only do I think it's okay, I think it's it's very important to be able to do that. Um, one of the things that uh, there is there's a spiritual teacher that I enjoy. His name is John Roger. He founded um, more a more esoteric spiritual philosophy that's uh, that's based out in Los Angeles it's called the movement of spiritual inner awareness. But, you know, I was listening to some of the things he said, and I would just disagree. I would agree with a lot of things and I would disagree with a lot of things. And then one day he said, not everything that I say is meant for you. You might be hearing it, but that doesn't mean that it's meant for you. So have the wit to let go of what doesn't work. Um, and I think that's a great, a great reminder. Just because uh, several aspects of a particular religious faith don't work for us doesn't mean that there's not a piece in there that really does work for us. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an equal opportunity employer when it comes to my spirituality, so I am happy to take on anything from any spirituality any faith tradition that, uh, that for me has that juice that I, I try it on and it shows up as working. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think that exploration is, is really vital in having a, a deep and meaningful spiritual practice that actually serves us, that actually benefits us and feels good
0: right it can really open open things up for you like for example my husband is jewish mm-hmm. i came from a christian tradition so you know every holiday we light the menorah during hanukkah and i have him read the prayers and i i love that because i love ritual yes <laughs> you know in the catholic tradition there's and a lot of people probably feel the same way because ritual is is comforting we we like it it's something we can participate in with others so we kind of crafted a A way that that works for us. I'm sure a lot of people do do something similar. But yeah, I mean, I think it's so beneficial to just read and explore what's really out there. So tell me why. So why should we establish a spiritual practice? I mean, how, how is that work for you? Why do you feel that that it's important?
2: Spiritual practice is important because you know when we if we get stuck in the in the physical world like looking around at all the things that are out in the physical world and just having our entire attention there um, what is very easy is for us to become a victim of our experience to have the things that happen around us determine how we feel. Um, when we look at a spiritual practice, what we discover is that those things that happen around us don't determine how we feel. How we relate to those things determines what our experience is. And so ultimately, from a very practical standpoint, not really getting into anything about the big mystical woo-woo God universe, any of that stuff, from a very practical standpoint, being able to recognize that the way I'm thinking about my life, the way I'm relating to the experiences that are happening around me is what determines how I feel and how I react. I can use these spiritual tools then to shift my perspective, to change how I relate to the world around me and become more empowered rather than being at the effect of everything that's happening around me all the time, so it frees us from uh, from this experience of of victimization that can happen. Now, of course, there you know I don't want to get off course, and there is certainly the the actual being a victim in terms of oh, if your car is broken into, you are a victim of a crime. That is one thing, but the victimization in terms of uh, allowing things that really that really don't have control over our experience when we really understand what creates our experience to control us that then is us being at in this in this victim mentality and we can use our spirituality we can really dig into these ideas to regain our power to take back our centered space you know there's a great question uh, that that i ask myself often which is is this worth my peace whatever the experience is, if I find myself getting upset, to simply ask myself, is this worth my peace? And from there, being able to look at okay, what is going on in my consciousness? Why am I feeling this way? Why am I reacting to this particular event in this way? Because I certainly don't want to lose my peace to this. See, that's a spiritual practice. That contemplation is part of our spirituality. But if we're not aware of it, if we don't engage and dig in to find all of these tools and techniques and ideas and philosophies that help us to really put that attention back on how am I relating to this situation— then we end up without our power to choose how we feel.
1: Um,
2: so in the practical sense, that's a great reason to look at a spiritual practice and to develop one. Beyond the practical, um, rubber meets the road type of how am I feeling in this moment thing, um, You know, there is a richness to life that cannot come from just the things of the physical world. You look at an amazing sunset – um, and the thing that stops and makes you go, Oh my God, this is just amazing and is so awe inspiring it's not just the fact that there are beautiful colors in the sky you can go look at beautiful colors anywhere you can create a drawing of beautiful colors you can just do you can find beautiful colors all over the place but for some reason there are those experiences we have that are transcendent that just take us beyond what we ordinarily experience and those transcendent experiences can become more and more frequent when we purpose ourselves towards a practice that that helps to create them and helps us to open ourselves to receive them. And that, uh, you know, you can have all the riches in the world. And there are many people who are wealthy financially and impoverished in terms of their life experience. So uh, getting beyond just the day-to-day, the nitty-gritty, and finding that transcendent moment that brings so much richness to life— Spiritual practices help us to get there more often and to stay there longer and to have them be deeper and richer. And it's those things that can make even the most difficult of life experiences manageable when we know that there's that transcendence right in the midst of that difficulty.
0: That's great. I love that. That's such a great explanation of why we should establish that, you know, of being able to enhance our lives, to open ourselves up to uh, you know those peak experiences, like like Maslow said. Um, uh, I'm still I'm looking for those a lot more <laughs> <laughs> lately. Those peak experiences and just those feelings of joy and and fulfillment and happiness. That you're right that you can't get from a new car or something like that. Something material you might feel that momentarily, mm-hmm. but having those those deep rich experiences accessible to you regularly really is is priceless so you mentioned something in the book that i thought was interesting you said spiritual practice is cyclical yes so did did you mean like we just kind of come back to to things and then explore and come back
2: so, uh, one of the things that uh, one of the ways spirituality is described in spiritual growth is as an upward, forward, progressive spiral. So, uh, if you're you can do this by yourself if you're listening, if you take your finger and draw a spiral and get the spiral bigger and bigger, like a tornado as you go up and the circles get wider and wider. Now, when you do that, you'll notice that you come to the same point on the spiral as you go up, that point right in front of your face, for example. You hit that point again and again and again, but it's on a higher level, it's on a bigger level. So we keep on coming around back to that place that we started. It looks like we're in the same place, but we're actually at a level higher. Um, Again, I I wish I could remember the name of the person who said it, but um, the quote is something along the lines at the end of our exploring, we shall arrive right back where we started and know that place for the first time. So, uh, so oh, that's,
0: I know what you mean. <laughs> yes.
2: So that's one of it's the ways in which spiritual practices are cyclical. That we we it looks like we're facing the exact same challenge we've faced before, but really we're facing it at a much higher level because we've grown. The other way that spiritual practices are cyclical is that uh, we're in a constant growth phase. So this is one of the things that I like to look at as the five stages of, of spiritual seeking, where we are we are in this cycle of we have a spiritual practice that's really fulfilling for us. And then for some reason, it starts to not feel so great anymore. There's there's an issue. Something's not working as well as it once, once did. And uh, that leads us to seeking something new, seeking an adjustment, seeking... Uh, maybe even to let go of a spiritual practice and create something completely new that wasn't there before. And then we get to the point where we finally establish a new spiritual practice that works for us and we're loving it and we're in the space of it working really well. And then we start to realize, wait a second, there's something more here. There's something else that I'm missing. And we go seeking again for what the new next is, that new growing edge to enhance our meditation practice or our visualization practice, whatever it might be. Um, So there's that that aspect of it in terms of we are constantly growing and coming back to where we used to be, but at a higher level, and then also that cyclical aspect of we're constantly in a space where what we're doing really works well, and then it needs to grow and expand, and we need to seek something new, and then we get back to where it's working well again, and then it doesn't work as well anymore. We need to find something new, some enhancement to it to, to help grow our practice.
0: And that can go on throughout your whole life, right? I mean, it's just a constant process.
2: Absolutely. I mean, in fact, I am, I am deep in the midst of that uh, right now. I, I noticed that I had a lot of unconscious ideas about spirit that were very anthropomorphic, so very, very human-like, um, and that those weren't working for me. So I'm, I'm working on finding a new understanding of spirit for myself right now.
0: Well, we're going to take a short break. We'll explore some of those ideas and some of the tools and practices that you share in the book. I'm talking with Ben Jamieson, author of Church-Free Spirituality, continuing the conversation in just a minute. Stay with me after the break. Discover the power within.
2: Unity Online Radio. The Voice of an Awakening World.
0: When listeners like you contribute to Unity Online Radio, you're making a positive difference in your life and the lives of other spiritual seekers. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate to make a one-time donation or sign up for monthly contributions. Thank you for your support.
1: Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Catherine Ponder, taken from a classic talk called The Prosperous Truth, recorded at Unity of Austin in 1991.
0: I heard from a
2: young lady who was just starting out as a Unity minister, and she said, I am not teaching prosperity yet in
0: my ministry because I have not yet demonstrated it in my own
2: life. And I don't think I should teach what I have not demonstrated. And I wrote her back and said, honey,
0: you've got it all backwards. You need to teach what you want to learn. You teach what you want to demonstrate because you cannot demonstrate what you do not know. There must be an inworking before there can be an outworking.
1: To find out more about Unity teachings, visit unity.org.
2: If you're looking to deepen your spiritual journey, Unity Magazine is your go-to source for information and inspiration. It's been beautifully redesigned and packed with interesting articles and compelling interviews from today's spiritual thought leaders. You'll find science, spirituality, and healing with a look at Eastern philosophies, meditation, as well as
0: completely new ways to interpret the Bible. Plus, reviews on the latest spiritual books and music. Get a free trial issue at unitymagazine.org.
1: Would you like to show your support for Unity Online Radio? You can donate easily on your phone by texting the word VOICE to 50555 and donate $10 to support Unity Online Radio. It's easy to do, and your offering will help us keep inspirational and positive programming on the air. Remember, just text the word VOICE to 50555 and support your favorite shows on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: The world is full of people with amazing stories. I'm Diane Ray, and make plans to join me every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Central for my radio show, Be Present. Each week, I invite you to join in the conversation as I talk to guests about health and wellness, spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and a lot more. I want to share information that you can apply to your life today. Listen live or download the show later on demand. I hope you can tune in here on unityonlineradio.org, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555.
1: Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show.
0: Thanks for joining me after the break. And if you are listening live, if you'd like to join us, give us a call, 816-251-3555. If you're curious about starting a spiritual practice, uh, have questions, making some changes in your own life, we've got an expert here, Ben Jamison, author of Church-Free Spirituality. We'd be happy to answer some questions for you. So we're just having a great conversation about, you know, your experiences with spirituality, with religion, finding things that can work for you, and I know a lot of people that are listening to Unity Radio are spiritual seekers. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure a lot of this is going to resonate with people. Um, and I'm, you know, a lot of people that do come to Unity, I'm sure most of them come from other traditions. Would would you say so? Have you seen that in your experience?
2: Yeah, there are a lot of people who come from from different traditions, and you know, there's. Um, to to plug another to to plug another person here real quick um, you know there's when we come to finding our spiritual practice, and we talked earlier about some of the damage that can come from uh, the religion that we grew up in the religion um, our religion of origin, and how oftentimes we we leave a spiritual practice we leave a religion um, and come to find something else that that can put a lot of of um, a lot of barriers in our way from finding a deep and, and inspiring spiritual practice. There's a lot of healing work um, that we need to do. And one of the things that i I love about this work, is being able to share things with people. Um, and, and so uh, there will soon be, at Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute, a class called Make Peace with Your Religious Past. My beautiful wife is the one who created it and is hosting it. So if you've got that, if you're wanting to craft your own spiritual practice, but you've got those uh, those those barriers in the way from from pain from a past religious experience, that would be a great thing to check out to help help heal some of those issues and get into... A spiritual practice that really works well for where you are now.
0: Oh, that's so cool. How can people find out about that? Let's give a plug to Sherry. Uh,
2: so just uh, go to Unity Worldwide Spiritual Institute, which I believe is uwsi.org, uh, and just look for Make Peace with Your Religious Past.
0: Very good. I hope people check that out. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the different practices. That you go over that that people can explore, and and you do kind of explain it. It is called a practice for a reason, right? <laughs> yes, you know, it's it's something you have you have to do, like an instrument or anything else. It it takes repetition and practice. Absolutely. So don't get discouraged,
2: right? Absolutely. Consistency and commitment are are two of the key things with a spiritual practice and with having it be something that that actually is fulfilling. And you've got to, you know, the song was right. Let's start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. So wherever you are... That's the right place for you to be. And it's not about judging yourself because, um, you know, you hear that there are people who can meditate for five hours at a stretch and you can't sit still for 10 seconds. You know, it's about starting right where you are and trying different things out and practicing. So you slowly build up to a minute, two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes. And the next thing you know, you're sitting for half an hour or whatever it might be. But it is that consistency and commitment. You got to practice these things to, uh, to have them show up as working. It works if you right. work it.
0: To, that's it. And to get some benefit, I'm glad you mentioned meditation because that's something that I've been, um, I won't say struggling with, I'll say practicing mm-hmm. <laughs> or trying to practice, you know, on a more regular basis for the past couple of years. And I've done some workshops and I did a weekend retreat, uh, meditation retreat. And it's, it's like you said, it is practice, something that you have to set out some time to do and You know, some misconceptions that I had to let go of was that, okay, when you meditate, you're just gonna stop thinking and your mind will be clear. Well, no, that's not really how it works. (laughs) If you stop thinking, you'll be dead, right? There's there'll be nothing happening. And just ways that I was able to work with it, you know, working with a, a mantra worked well for me. Some people might not be comfortable with that. You know, I also like mindfulness and breath work um to get get myself into a more meditative state but just even trying to carve out you know 10 minutes every morning is the key, like you said, consistency, kind of getting that going, but then sometimes I'll fall off the wagon and not beating myself up, just okay, well, let me get back and and do it again and yeah keep trying
2: and meditation is one of those interesting ones where it's so easy to get confused as to what the meditation actually is. There's the meditation, and then there's the technique, right so the mantra meditation mantra is the technique, mindfulness is the technique uh, the meditation itself is just that. Still, calm, centered, single-pointed focus where your mind isn't jabbering 100 miles an hour, where you just have that peaceful, centered, calm, quiet experience. That's, in a nutshell, meditation. Now, the technique that you use to get there can be anything. Uh, One of of the people who has been a great inspiration for me, uh, she meditates by ironing. That puts her in that single-pointed, still-present, absolutely-focused, 100%-here space. And so if ironing is what does it for you, then ironing can be a meditation. Walking in nature can be a meditation. Petting your dog or your cat can be a meditation, right? So it's about not getting confused by what the technique is versus the actual experience of meditation and then practicing the technique Um uh, as best you can on a consistent, regular basis um, to be able to build up that that practice to where you get those times where you have that still-centered experience, which sometimes lasts for two seconds. Sometimes you might get a couple minutes. If you're really practiced, you might get more than a couple minutes, but even just that five seconds of being completely still and silent and present does so much good for you, that it's worth a 20-minute mantra session for those five seconds, if that's all you get.
0: Right. And it feels so good, doesn't it? When you're able to touch that that few seconds or minute, like you said, of stillness and silence, mm-hmm. it, it's amazing. So the more that you you try to practice that, and and I love your suggestions of it 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 is different for different people. Like I love walking. I love meditate uh-huh. meditative walks. That works good. A lot of people will say, "Oh, I can't sit for twenty minutes." Well, then take a walk, you know, and not with your phone or iPad or whatever iPod. Right. You know, just <laughs> be in silence, and. I, I had to force myself to do that because sometimes I'll do walks just for exercise and I'll listen to a podcast or something. Mm-hmm. And I remember just, this was just last week, I left my phone by mistake and I had like a moment of panic. Oh, oh I don't have my phone. I can't listen to my podcast. Like, okay, well, let me just, let me shift this. I'm going to do more of a meditative experience and walk. And it was great. Yeah, I mean, we, we need to like get rid of the phones and the distractions and give ourselves the gift of those few minutes of of stillness and silence. So working with meditation is is really valuable. So if you're afraid, like take that first step, Mm -hmm. do, you know, do 10 minutes or something.
2: Or even just two minutes. And you know, there's, uh, if you have never meditated before, the easiest thing in the world, you set a timer for two minutes, you close your eyes. And as you're breathing in, you think to yourself, I am breathing in. And as you're breathing out, you think to yourself, I am breathing out. And you just do that over and over and over again. And when you notice your mind wandering, you just come back to the breath. I am breathing in, I am breathing out. I am breathing in, I am breathing out. And if you set a timer for even just one minute, two minutes is great, just one minute. Notice how you feel before you do this. Set a timer for a minute. Do just that breathing exercise and just that focus. Don't try to control your breath. You're just thinking, I am breathing in, I am breathing out. And after that minute, see how you feel. I guarantee you, you'll feel better in oh, just a absolutely. minute. Absolutely, And it's it's the simplest <laughs> thing in the world.
0: I'm talking with Ben Jamison about his book, Church-Free Spirituality, talking about different tools and techniques that you can use to bring some more spirituality into your life. And I liked the distinction that you talk about in the book between affirmative prayer and affirmations. And coming from um, the background of, I, I had worked for Louise Hay, who's the queen of affirmations yes, uh, for 11 years. So I was very familiar with that. And then when I came to work with Unity, uh, people were talking about affirmative prayer. And I thought, oh, well, that's interesting. Is it the same thing? And then I was reading in your book, it, it really isn't. There, right. there is a difference, right? So I was hoping you could give us that distinction between affirmative prayer and affirmations.
2: Sure, so uh, I think the way I phrase it in the book is that uh, affirmations are the sprint and affirmative prayer is the marathon. So uh, they both have have an intention to do the same thing, which is to change our consciousness. Um, a typical prayer, um, a more prayer and supplication of, oh, please God, give me this, please do this for me, please do that, uh, is putting the answer outside of yourself. In affirmative prayer, we look at how we can shift our own consciousness to accept the thing that we're praying for already and to go after it. So, um, and that's the same with affirmations, right? But with an affirmation, we've got this very short, concise, powerful statement. Um, One of the ones that I love is uh, I am radiant, vibrant, dynamic health. That's a great affirmation. Anytime you're out in, uh, you know, out at the doctor's office or whatever, and you see the the article about how you got to get your flu shot, I am radiant, vibrant, dynamic health. Anytime you hear about the The terrible cold epidemic going around, I am radiant, vibrant, dynamic health. So we we use this affirmation, this quick, short, sustained, repeated over and over again, the same way to put these little drops in our consciousness bucket over and over again. We've got this bucket of consciousness, and that's what sort of determines our experience, right? So by doing these little affirmations repeatedly over and over again, we're adding these little drops to the bucket that are eventually going to shift our consciousness and therefore our experience with affirmative prayer, We've got some more time. We've got some more ability to be a little more creative and have a little more feeling to it. So with affirmative prayer, there are a bunch of different techniques uh, to affirmative prayer. Um, The one that I use is is a spiritual mind treatment, um, which is a five-step affirmative prayer where we first begin by recognizing spirit as all there is or God, the universe, whatever you like. If God is all there is, then you unify yourself with that. If God's all there is, then that must be what I am. From there, speaking a prayer in affirmation. So if it is a new career that we're seeking, it's recognizing that right here and right now who I am is valuable and that the right and perfect opportunity is present for me right now and that I am a beneficial presence everywhere I go. Whatever the words are that are inspiring to you in in stating definitively that the thing that we are seeking to experience is already done. It may not be in our experience right in this moment, but it is already done. And we then go into a thanksgiving step of being grateful for all of the good that's already in our lives, being grateful that this prayer is already answered, is already manifest. And then finally releasing it, letting go of any doubts or worries or concerns, letting go of the prayer itself, simply letting it go to the universe. You know, there's that creative capacity of the universe, which birthed everything, all of the galaxies from the same creative force. And in an affirmative prayer, we put our intentions into that same creative force and allow it to do the work of bringing about all of the right circumstances and situations that we need to step into to then realize that prayer. But the point of both is growing our consciousness, is changing how we relate to the world around us. It's just whether or not we do it in a very uh, long, intentional, um, very uh, poetic possibly language or whether we do it in these short snippets repeatedly over and over again um, with, with affirmations that are present and powerful for us.
0: Well, I really like that spiritual mind treatment that you were just describing that you learned from uh, Centers for Spiritual Living, right? Yes, yes. I had never heard of that before, and I really love this process and how it works, because it kind of takes that desperation of, oh, please, 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 you know, please, God, do this, you know, that that kind of begging and mm-hmm. and pleading that you feel that you want this benevolent source that you hope is benevolent to answer you and bestow upon you what what you want. And and it just takes kind of that desperation, which is not really a great feeling out of it. And then also, I love the part of the release where you say, Okay, it it is done and also this or something better. And I've been working with this treatment since I've been reading the book. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like how that feels. Because, you know, being the control freak sometimes that I am, I love being able to take that part out of it. You know, hey, I may not know what's in store, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm, I'm releasing it and it could be even something better than I ever dreamed.
2: Yeah. And of course, we've, I, I all, love that. <laughs> we've all had the experience where we really, really wanted something and we didn't get it. And then like six months later, we realized that it was such a good thing. We didn't get what we thought we wanted. Right. It's the same oh, yeah. thing. There may be something that we really feel is right and perfect for us, but if we add that that caveat at the end, this or something even greater for the highest good of all concerned, that then allows this creative capacity that once again birthed all of creation to say, ah, and no, let me we're gonna tweak this a little bit. We're gonna open this up a little bit, because you know, what I think is the very best for me is based on my experiences so far. Right. I I only know what's good based on my experiences of what's good for me that I've had. So by opening up and allowing a creative capacity um, that that came up with planets and gravity and all of this amazing stuff to take my best understanding and expand it, um, you know, I had I I did a lot of affirmative prayer work around my relationship when I was in that place when I believed that I was completely unlovable. Did a lot of affirmative prayer work around it. And the best that I could come up with in my affirmative prayer work from a place of believing that I was completely unlovable was insignificant compared to what I ended up with because I allowed for that growth to happen in the process. I allowed for that. This is my best understanding. And I know that it's either going to be this or something even greater. That allowed me to grow into something even bigger.
0: I love that. It's just so powerful to let that let that into your life and release that control which we really don't have that much control over anyway right and kind of sit back and and see what's what's going to happen and and i've really been trying to work with that you know over the past few years just making some big changes in my life myself And like okay well let's see what happens you know i'm really frustrated this isn't working out well what's the reason behind that and and usually it is it always is something better Mm-hmm. I love that. So, I wanted to talk about as well um something that I'm know, I know you've heard, probably heard a lot about the law of attraction. We've all yes. heard that term in one way or another. Um but I think sometimes it gets misinterpreted or misunderstood. Mm-hmm. So, tell me your definition of of that and how it really works because it really there really are laws in the universe, right? Mm-hmm. And that's one of them.
2: Right. So, uh, you know, the, the secret did a great job of getting the law of attraction out, but it sort of left the idea that if you look at a picture of clean teeth every day for 20 minutes, you never have to brush again. Um, which is not accurate, right? So when we talk about the mm-hmm. law of attraction, what that basically says is that we harmonize with whatever we have in our lives. There, um, uh, You could look at it in terms of like a vibrational frequency, right? So um, if you have a general vibrational frequency of a level 7 out of 10, let's say, Um, your car will be about a level seven, your relationship will be about a level seven, your house will be about a level seven. Everything will sort of be right around that same vibrational level that you carry within your consciousness. Now, if you do the work to grow your consciousness and your consciousness becomes a level eight, uh, just you're vibrating higher. You've got more loving energy in your body. You're more joyful more of the time because you're relating to the world in a more joyful way, things of this nature then that will tend to up-level the things that we have around us. So in in the typical look at the law of attraction in terms of attracting stuff, um, and we see this all the time in the lottery, right? You have people who have a certain level of vibration around wealth, and they win the lottery, and in short order, all of the money is gone, Because they did not increase their wealth consciousness to be able to match the vibration that millions of dollars hold. And so it went away. Now, if we increase our consciousness to the level of millions of dollars, if we increase our wealth uh, consciousness that much, then it might come in through the lottery. It might come in through a a great new job opportunity or a new idea that we create something that then sells thousands and thousands of items or whatever it might be. but there is there there is the inner work and the outer work in the law of attraction. What we heard in the secret was a lot of the inner work, building the vision boards, um visualizing ourselves in the experience, doing all of that is inner work. It helps to align ourselves vibrationally with the thing that we're wanting to create. But then there is the outer work. There is we can look at and daydream about ourselves in this amazing house. Over and over and over and over again. If we don't call a realtor and go look at houses, we're never going to get there, right? So there, uh, there is this aspect of doing the inner work and the outer work. Um, in in uh, Centers for Spiritual Living, their prayer is affirmative mind treatment. And so they say, treat and move your feet. Like, do the prayer. Do the thing. You know, do the prayer to, to align yourself with the thing that you want and then go out and get it. Go out and do the action steps that you need in the physical world to draw it to you. So, for right, you
0: really have to marry belief with action, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And in there, too, you know, it's not just oh, spiritual practice is holistic, right? So, if we're talking about the law of attraction, we've got this wonderful thing that we want to attract, and we begin doing the visualization work, doing the vision board work, and all of that. Guess what? All the beliefs that we have in our consciousness that have prevented us from getting that experience before are going to come up. And when that happens, if we're not aware of it, things are going to start getting dicey, we're going to feel awful, and we might let it go. But if we're aware that, oh, I'm making a shift in my consciousness... So the things that have prevented me from having this experience before are coming up to be released. This is uncomfortable, but it's a good thing. Now I can go to my forgiveness work. I can forgive these judgments. I can go to my compassion. I can have compassion for myself and for the people in my life that I have judged. And I can do this clearing, which is going to help to up-level my vibration, which will help me be more of an energetic match to the thing that I want because I'm clearing the judgments that have prevented me from getting it in the first place. So it's more than just visualization and vision boards and even doing the physical world actions. It's about forgiveness. It's about love. It's about gratitude. All of these spiritual practices are part of the same holistic system that helps us with the law of attraction, with with whatever spiritual law we're working with.
0: Right. It's so interesting when you start digging into those things and you shared some stories of your own experience. And like you said, it can be uncomfortable. But then when you have that awareness and you realize what these old beliefs are that you, that you didn't even know you had. Like I did some similar work around that with, with money mm-hmm. and I never realized that what my unconscious belief was, was that when, when I was growing up, you know, money's hard and it's hard to get and you have to work and drudgery and, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you, you've got to, you've got to really try. And it, it kind of gave me the belief that unless it's it's hard and uncomfortable, then it's not going to happen. And a lot of times that's not true. And so I had to re- release that. Well, I don't have to kill myself to to do this mm-hmm. or to achieve something, you know. And I think it's interesting to uncover those hidden beliefs around things that that you didn't realize you had, but were stopping you from really achieving what you want or doing what you want. That's right. Interesting. And then another word I wanted to throw out there, there's so much that we we could still talk about, but we've oh, only got yeah. a few more minutes. <laughs> like <laughs> this, this could go on, you know, forever, I'll have to have you back. But uh, I wanted to bring up law of attraction, because it's in people's consciousness, and, yes. and we hear that a lot. And also the word manifestation, you know, I think that gets tossed around by a lot of different teachers, and, and I've certainly heard that word. And, you know, and you, you, you talk about, well, I can be a powerful manifester, I can manifest this into my life. Mm -hmm. And what do you think that that means, that word?
2: I think there's a lot of different connotations to it. It's very easy to often go to the physical um, and say, oh, I manifested a new car. I manifested a new job. I manifested these free tickets to this gala that I'm going to have fun going to. Um, So that's one aspect of manifestation, that you have an intention for something that you want to create or experience, and then it comes about. So uh, I love galas, I love going to them, and I do get free tickets to galas from time to time. Um, So that is a manifestation. That is my desire and my love of galas showing up as abundance coming to me in a manifestation of a physical thing that I can go and do. Manifestation also happens, though, internally. Um so uh we talked earlier about um you know how you can have that uh, that that very painful experience of your religion growing up well if you go through and you do this healing work to make peace with your religious past and then you find yourself having gone back home for the holidays uh and now you have to go to church with your parents again or with your family whatever it might be and you go and you sit in that same church that used to make you cringe and you are at peace that is a manifestation of your intention to be able to let go of of the judgment and the anger from your past experience and be there and be peaceful right so there there are these internal manifestations as well when we intend to grow you know if you if you want to practice meditation and uh, and you have that meditation suddenly where it's like ah I got there. I dropped into meditation. I was there for only a few seconds, but man, I got there. That's a manifestation of your intention to have this meditative experience. So manifestation, I mean, basically it's your intention coming to fruition, whether that's in an external experience or an internal experience. Um, And while the external experiences are wonderful, um, and we should certainly go after those, I think that's right and proper to go after those, really focusing on the internal is, I think, where the real juice lies. Because it might not be the gala, right? What is it that the gala represents? Well, it represents wealth, and it represents... Uh, a richness and abundance. And it represents, uh, you know, you get to get dressed up and be real fancy and have this great meal. And well, then just go get dressed up real fancy and go have a great meal with somebody that you really enjoy just to get dressed up and be fancy. Right. Like so when we look at what it is that the thing that we're seeking to manifest physically in the physical world, what we think that thing is going to bring us, what experience we think we're going to get from it. And we focus on rather than manifesting that particular thing, manifesting the experience that we're going for, we may get the thing we may get the gala we might get something completely different that has that sense of richness and fanciness uh even more than we would have gotten from a gala
0: what a great explanation of inner and outer i love that and it's okay to to want the outer too like you said absolutely then i mean the that's inner is so much richer
2: I mean, we, we have to have the outer. As long as we've got the physical body, we've got to have these external things or it doesn't work anymore, right? So, Right. But, but having the two married with our primary intention on the inner is what makes the outer so rich.
0: The Power of Intention, like Absolutely. Dr. Wayne Dyer said. <laughs> yes. We're both we're both fans. Ben, it's been so fun to talk with you about Likewise. this. I'd love to have you back on the show at some point. And check out Ben's book, Church-Free Spirituality, available right now. It's a great read. And thanks for joining me today.
2: Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an
1: awakening world.